This is PBE Daily Early Mornings and Late Night Podcast. My name is Point Blank Yvombi. Thanks for taking the time to join me in yet another episode. I've been having uh, a slew of ideas run through my head of what I'd like to speak on, pardon me, on this podcast. And I feel some of the topics that have come to mind tend to have a degree of clarity as time goes by. Because in the recent past, I've, I've consumed a huge amount of information and when I'm trying to distribute the two and distinguish which ones should come to PBE daily and which ones should go to 1513, I sometimes get lost in in the woods and I'll say this, that I'm glad I get lost in the woods because I've constantly found my way back to being able to make great things come to life. I've made significant uh, headway with the different pieces of work I'm supposed to complete this year and I can gladly say that some of them are actually coming into fruition. My speed as far as my inking work is getting better, my speed as far as even my digital painting is getting better, my confidence is also getting better because um, the more I'm not afraid to actually delete things and start things again from scratch, the better things have become for me and I'm grateful for those who actually are patient enough to actually let me find my own way and find my own time and it seems to work to the advantage of anyone who believes in that which you're trying to put together. And I truly am glad that in 2020 things are making so much sense. And in some regard, some of the things that actually I feel the need to address are things which in many other cases I would cower from touching on them. But I feel it's important for us to look at what's happening around us objectively. And by objectively, I mean I want us to really question to what extent we are letting ourselves not see um, how things are shaping themselves in regards to how society itself is redefining how it looks at uh, power, how it looks at wealth, how it looks at success, how it looks at uh, brotherhood and sisterhood and neighborly behavior. And with the different uh, scares we're having in the world right now, like, for example, last week we had this scare of a, a plane landing from China that has potential guys who are carriers of the coronavirus. And the number of scares I've heard in my lifetime, I heard about mad cow, I heard about Ebola, I heard about... Uh, there's just so many going around. And the, the new resurgence of certain uh, stronger strains of, like, STIs and things like that. It's, it's a weird time to be around, but then... To a certain extent, also take this information and take it also with a grain of salt because I fear that there's a great degree to which people are being careless, and the carelessness therein is also not helped by the way people perceive power and how it goes about it. So, on this episode, I'm going to touch on something which I'm not the perfect candidate to speak on it because. I haven't been like educated in uh, policies and or philosophy and everything like that. So outside looking in as a layman, I've come to notice certain things. And I base, I base this on how one of the oldest democracies that we look at as far as young countries are concerned, watching the United States going through what it's going through, be it societal or political movements, I have objectively chosen to look at certain individuals from these sides and see to what extent why certain arguments tend to win. And if you look at the visual I made for this, I kind of used the representation of um, uh, Steve Bannon, one of the founders of Breitbart, and a guy who was one of the architects of the success of Donald Trump becoming president of the United States. And I know too many people 
the first reaction right now is that you're already kind of agitated by what I may or may not say. So I humbly request that you take a pause, take a breather, and hear me out. There is a reason why in the American system, as I see it from a guy who's never set foot in the United States, like outside looking in from the different pieces of information I, I consume, and maybe this is based off of the different uh, uh, documentaries I've watched from one source in particular, which is Frontline by PBS, and the interviews that you'd see on Joe Rogan, uh, the Joe Rogan podcast, and the different people you talk to, be it scientists or uh, entertainers, and how they'd break down their perceptions of how the world is. Uh, he's talked to authors, he's talked to actors, he's talked to all these individuals, and they, the conversations they have, which is probably one of the best formats I've had uh, to witness in regards to how to communicate with people uh, in general. And that's why most of my uh, interview, the, the first two interview podcasts I've done, it's very conversational. I feel people get more relaxed conversations, and even if it, I'm being inquisitive about their paths, I kind of find the path they're in. And so, with that disclaimer put on, I'd say this: what is considered the liberal side is called the left. What's considered the hardcore uh, conservative side is called the right. So, left and right is is how the the United States looks at itself, and what i've realized outside looking in i cannot in strain that enough or stress that enough outside looking in the left can't make headway until it objectively looks at how it feels the right knows how it feels it airs how it feels but it takes the time to make measures come to pass it's almost as if the right is objective, the left is emotionally driven, and when your emotions get involved in decision-making, you tend to haphazardly do things. You tend to come off as brash, and the passions that you share don't really get to be taken seriously because now you're a victim of um, not only your emotions, but your poor understanding of that which is happening around you. Again, bear with me. I'm, I'm trying to draw a line of how this seems to work in my head. <clears throat> Sorry about that. When I look at the character Steve Bannon, and I was checking out interviews that he did, like one hour long, two hour long interviews that they did before they chopped it up to make the documentaries that they create. And I love uh, Frontline for that because not only do they give you the documentary where they put snippets in, but they took the time to actually give you the full interview so you could hear everything a person said based upon their argument. And there's one individual who was a pollster for the Republican Party. And he was so passionate that he even teared up during the interviews, like a 45 minute going to an hour interview. And this gentleman, he literally broke down. He was bawling his eyes out because he feels his country is going sideways and he cannot help but feel that we, the country needs to find a way to literally look at that which is the problem and address it. And he sees the neighborly existence of how America is supposed to be, the welcoming country that allows uh, immigrants and immigrants from other countries to come in and help build themselves and also build the economy of the United States. Like that welcoming place that immigrants get to make a thriving economy because it's a home of immigrants. That perception of, of America that he has is completely lost. And here's Steve Bannon in a different interview, who now represents the right. And remember, these, both these characters are members of the Republican Party, but 
the individual who's the pollster, he is more libertarian in a sense than the hard stance uh, that Steve Bannon has given us his perception in this sense. When I was listening to the interview by, of Steve Bannon, they actually said, he actually, as he was talking, he said he's, he's a descendant of immigrants and from the Second World War. And they, when, they, when the economy started going sideways in the 80s and going up into the 90s, the family ended up being disenfranchised because they could see their savings, their assets being taken away from them and seeing only the rich being bailed out. And then he objectively sat down and started looking at what the system was and how the system had a problem. And the system is, here's the problem that I think America has been going through for the longest time. And it's been documented not only by individuals like Steve Bannon and everybody, but also by uh, other guys like uh, Michael Moore. When certain political parties and in their case, it's two dominant parties, the Republicans and the Democrats. The Republican Party, let's not forget, this party was one of the founding fathers of the Republican Party is Abraham Lincoln. I'll leave that there because I think that's been lost on a lot of people. Parties can be kidnapped and hijacked. That, that is for certain. The Democratic Party, when it comes to how it conducts itself, it's no different from the Republican Party. Because if you think about it, it almost feels as if after so many years, like they have 45 presidents. Let's start there. In, in, in 45 different presidencies, it's been almost as if it's like a relay. Like one side becomes too stern, the other side gets the vote. The other side becomes too stern, the, the opposition side becomes the, the, the holder of power. And that yin and yang, and that flow of activity ended up being tainted when lobbyists came in because certain companies want to be able to get away with certain business practices and the only way for those business practices to come to pass they need to get things rolling in the senate and the house and those are the different wings of government that they have on that side in kenya we have the senate yes we also have the parliament but parliament makes the laws senate just vetoes and kind of changes how that works and i'm yet to really understand the kenyan system and I hope to interview somebody who actually could break it down for me so I could better understand it. But in regards to the United States, the moment lobbying became a lucrative way for private business investors to get in bed with political figures, money got involved in politics. There's a documentary done by Andrew Ma where he describes how the United States changed the look of politics in that you stopped asking yourself about the policies of an individual and you started asking yourself about aesthetically if this person is perceived as a leader and he pinpoints the individual by describing the election of uh, John F. Kennedy and John F. Kennedy wasn't exactly the perfect presidential candidate at the time because it, was, it wasn't a grizzled vet he was just uh, a person who'd been in politics for a brief time but he had the perfect credentials in that he was a war hero and, and he had served his country in war and he had served in his senate and being a youthful individual he would probably be the young energy required to change the country and from that election, because he had more money than most other political figures, he ended up having an advantage in politics. So it turned into, you have to have the money to be able to get into power. So power could be bought. And because power could be bought, it changed how people perceived the ideal of leadership. In many cases, I think that's one of the problems we're having in Kenya right now, because everybody seems to have bought their way into the seat by finding a way to pay um, reparations to political uh, uh, strongholds or political old figures who will not really share power but they'll let you have a taste of it when you look at steve bannon he said the only way for the system to actually be changed 
from the ground up or from the top to the bottom is to change what's happening at the top. Now, here's why the election of a figure like Donald Trump is so layered with different innuendos within. Whenever any parliament or any senate across the globe is coming up with laws or policies that like to have passed in and, and signed by the president, they layer them with other underlying things that would work in favor of lobbies. And it's why certain uh, laws, when you see them being drafted across the globe, I think, you'll find that inside that law, there are certain other pages, because it could be like 50 plus pages, and certain other pages in, inside that have small loopholes that have been put. It's why people get so scared when they think about lawyers, because lawyers know how to make a, a sentence have more than one angle to touch on it. It's why I really, well, as I was thinking about making this episode, the word right, R-I-G-H-T, is a very layered word. Because in one, it shows direction. In another, it shows a stance. And when you think about how a figure like Donald Trump got elected as president, you think about it where I think a figure like Steve Bannon was an anarchist. He knew the system was broken, so he figured let's break it further. The political figure we're going to choose to make presidential candidate and president of the United States is a figure who is not of the system, doesn't care, and is willing to break things just to break them. Because you can't buy him, you can't own him, you can't control him. That was the idea. Send in a Trojan horse in the figure that is Donald Trump and then destroy the system from the, from the top to the bottom. And that's the situation that's happening. Yes, Bannon was actually pushed away from the campaigns and he was pushed away from being close to the President of the United States because I think at that time it became very, very clear because there's some people who, when they think about power, they want to be down with the clique so bad that when they get into the room, they want to uh, hobnob and hang out with the people who've had power before. Think about it this way. Whenever you know a figure who made successes and made money or got into excessive wealth, the first group of people who try to get around him are the people who've had wealth for a while. They drag him close and they hold him close because they want to make sure that the, the, the circle stays small. And because they want to make sure the circle stays small, whatever their agenda to make sure status quo is maintained is also upheld. In that, I'm certain there are people who either related to or are around the current president of the United States, who ended up changing the anarchists' uh, agenda. The very first movements that actually led to anarchy in Parliament, I think, for the United States, must have been the uh, the the Tea Party movement. And the Republican Party thought that that Tea Party movement was just hard grizzled believers of the Republican Party trying to get in. What they didn't realize is these guys were coming into the Republican Party to destroy the status quo, because the status quo they were having is what needed to be changed. Now, Democrat or Republican, I don't know any difference because all I know is whenever it comes to the United States, and why we'll always talk about the United States as third world countries, because I'm in Kenya, I've been in Kenya all my life, I've never left the country for a very long period of time. I will be traveling, but I still, I'm not a person who's actually influenced as heavily by leaving the country and coming back in, but I am with the consumption of material that I take in, I do feel to a certain extent my mind is to a degree colonized by how I perceive things. But here's what I'm trying to say. Any person who sits in the position of the Oval Office of the United States, every other country across the globe starts asking questions. Because whatever that head of state chooses as his foreign policy affects us all. For example, if a certain... Uh, 
uh, embargo is put on certain countries. Kenya suffers as far as, far as industry is concerned. So you get you don't get get stuff shipped in quickly. You don't get uh, materials made quickly. You don't get to make transactions quickly. So it's why we look at America and pause when we're thinking about it. When it comes to state visits, when a president of the United States says they want to visit a certain country, I guarantee you in every one of those countries, the first question they ask themselves is, what do they want? It's not really about if they're a native of that country or they're part of the country's history. The question is, what do they want? Because there's always an angle. Power doesn't move unless it wants something. And when I was thinking about the left and the right, people would like to see the idea of Donald Trump's presidency to end. They're looking at it as this, as this bump that needs to not happen again. And as much as I totally agree with the idea of him not being the exact representation of what leadership is, I dare you to find a figure of true leadership across the globe right now. I don't think there's any historical figure or current figure who truly embodies the idea of leadership and power. Because I think all across the globe, power is bought. Power is completely bought. I mean, in Kenya right now, how is the head of state also the guy who has the most companies that control milk? He probably controls one of the most powerful banks in the country right now, and we don't even know it. And I'm not talking about the central bank of the economy. Just marinate on that as you look at your mobile phone and make your next transaction. Just think on that. And I look at a figure like Steve Bannon, and I get one thing about him. When you look at people who go on demonstrations and on strikes in the streets, emotion is a very strong part of resistance. And I get that. But now resistance is a fad. It never gets things done. Think about it. We have movements that happen in the streets only to make a bit of noise, and then the bit of noise that happens, it ends up leading to small gains for the guys who lead the movements and not for the actual movement itself, right? People will make uh, demonstrations in the streets in order to get into the room and hobnob with the people who control power, and then they're given something to grease their pockets, and then they stay quiet. And then they're not active again until they need the next re-up. And I think about how he did things. They didn't need anything from anyone. They had the infrastructure to affect the argument because Breitbart was the website that actually controlled the communications to the hardline believers of a movement. They didn't need to talk to the big news corporations to get things to pass as far as news. They'd make up things, granted, because I think to a certain extent right now, every piece of news that is being passed around the globe is made up. I mean, I look at some of the headlines we have locally and I get concerned. I'm like, who's the editor-in-chief of this thing right now? That's why I barely see people really pick up newspapers. But think about the rest of the country, outside of the, the different cities in my country, for example. Everybody's just picking up whatever they can find to get information of what's happening in Nairobi, the capital. And I look at how he did things. Globally, there's a degree of anarchy that's happening. And the reason why the anarchy is actually going in favor of one side alone is because the left is still working off emotion. They need to pause that. Telling a figure like Bannon or Trump that you don't like them means nothing. They know you don't like them. They've, they've been knowing you don't like them. They've been knowing that you can mock them. And all these times I'm looking at most of the Instagram accounts I follow from the United States. I look at the stuff they put up and I'm like, okay, yeah, you're mocking how stupid he is. Okay, cool. Yet that idiot, as you put it, still sits in the Oval Office. Even in the album I talked about in yesterday's episode, the album by uh, Royce the Five Nine, The Allegory, 
he talks about how he doesn't understand a figure like Donald Trump being his president. He doesn't understand how that happened. And when I'm looking at America's elections right now, I'm concerned because there's no true opposition to what he is. And the angle people are taking to actually address him is reactionary instead of being objective. You can't break a system if you're still trying to play ball with it. And a system can't exist unless somebody's comfortable with that system being put in place. Again, could just be in my head, but I think the only way the left and the liberal movements can get anything achieved is if, yes, acknowledge the emotional vest, vested interest you have, but now be objective with those said emotions. Put them in the back burner, put them in your back pocket, let your mind do the next move. You need to be objective, you need to be tactful, you need to make sure all that needs to happen next is actually vetted and understood. You owe it to yourself to do that. Again, outside looking in, not a political analyst, never been educated in politics. This is just observations from a guy who tries to ask questions that most people don't want to. So say it with me. Be Caesar or be nothing at all. Don't forget this weekend we've got old school special at Alchemist on the 6th of March. 7th of March you have uh, Lava Latte's Hip Hop, the Hip Hop Night event where we actually have the Boom Bop, the Boom Bap Click. It's the, called the Boom Bap Click Hip Hop Night. And the Boom Bap Click is celebrating Dr. Dre. If you get the chance to pass by, come through to Lava Latte. For those who are looking to rap, young MCs getting into the game, if you're in your 20s and you're really curious about the rap game, there's a gig called the Uncut Cypher. Take the time to go to that gig, see what cyphers are all about. If you feel free, and I'm sure maybe they'll make a program that actually coordinates with that, jump on stage, kick a few bars, sharpen your skills so that you become the great MCs that the country needs. There haven't been so many. We have a very select few. And you may be the guy who actually plays the next part. Until next time. Uno. <laughs>